This is Tyler O'Neill. I'm managing editor at The Daily Signal, and I'm honored to be joined by Mike Pence, former governor of Indiana, former vice president, and a candidate for the 2024 Republican presidential nomination. Uh, Great to be with you, Tyler. Thanks so much. Thanks for all The Daily Signal does every day. Yeah, thanks so much for joining me. Mike, you just released an ambitious plan to curb the federal government and return much of its power to the states. How would that plan decrease the spending that we've seen cause so much inflation? Well, actually, Tyler, uh, people can go to MikePence2024.com and see that this is the third policy platform that we've unveiled. I'm, I'm someone who believes that ideas have consequences. And as we vie for the Republican nomination, I want people to understand what our vision is, to tackle inflation, to unleash American energy. But I really believe the time has come for us to restore and revive federalism in America. Maybe it's that I was a governor, right? (laughs) I served in Congress before that. I was vice president. But, you know, I, I understand the vital role that states have played in the life of the nation. But I also think over maybe the last 75 years, we've seen more consolidation of power and control in Washington, D.C., and that's just not what the founders intended. They intended these states to be laboratories of innovation and reform, and they, I think throughout the Constitution, you see the principles of a limited federal government, and then the Tenth Amendment, I believe, was almost like an exclamation point at the end of, of the Bill of Rights that essentially said, if, if you didn't get it yet, we're going to say it one more time. The yeah. powers not delegated to the federal government are reserved to the states and to the people. And so I think shutting down the Federal Department of Education, let's transfer resources and control for housing and welfare and education, all back to the states and say, why don't you in your home state redesign these programs around ways that will actually improve people's lives, particularly people that are that are struggling on that first rung of the American dream. And uh, I think it's an idea whose time has come. And how does it address Obamacare? I mean, that was one of the things many conservatives were hoping that the Trump administration would uh, address and really put put to bed, repeal it, and we saw the repeal effort die on the floor, but this plan, I think, addresses Obamacare. It does. It does. You know, we came within one vote on the Senate, uh, one thumb down yeah. uh, of, uh, of being able to repeal and replace Obamacare, and it was, uh, it's... I'm never going to give up on that fight. And that's why in the center of this program is we take the bill that literally was on the Senate floor, which would have block granted uh, Obamacare dollars back to the states and allow the states then to innovate and craft, uh, you know, uh, you know, health insurance coverage in ways that will benefit people in their states and, and bring ideas like health savings accounts, consumer directed health care. But this the, it also eviscerates all the mandates in Obamacare as well. We just came that close, Tyler. But uh, but I, I'm never going to get up. We I, I 
was there when we were fighting against Obamacare. I was a House Republican leader at the time. I, I had to live under it and fight against it when I was a governor of the state of Indiana. We came close to repealing it, but um, I, I really do believe that it, it, that, uh, that should I have the privilege of being president of the United States, that, that rescinding uh, the Obamacare mandates and block granting those resources back to the states, an idea whose time has come. And we lived through a lot of abuses of power under the COVID pandemic. Uh, how would you restructure government on emergency powers, the NIH, the CDC, in the wake of that? Well, let me say I, I'm, I'm incredibly proud of what the American people accomplished during the worst pandemic in 100 years. I mean, when, uh, when I was tapped to lead the White House task force, uh, we hadn't had a single fatality, but in a matter of days, we were informed that, uh, that, that we would see this pandemic strike as it already begun to in major cities. Um, we, we took efforts early on to make sure that our hospitals were not overwhelmed, to make sure that, uh, that you know, we had the resources to give people the health care that we'd want any member of our family to have. The challenge we had was we saw many Democrat-led states then take, you know, the, the what were temporary measures designed to give us a chance to, you know, spin up testing from a standing start and to make sure we had resources at our hospitals and supplies and ventilators. And, and they went on to shut down schools. They went on to shut down their economies over long periods of time and, and, and used the, the pandemic as a reason for that. I, I think we've got to, I think we've got to, I think we've got to seriously rethink, um, you know, the, the lessons of the COVID pandemic. And, uh, and it all has to be grounded in freedom. We have to begin that. When I was, uh, when, when I was leading the White House task force, you know, we, we fought to keep meatpacking plants open. We fought for the right of churches to continue uh, to, to meet and to convene. And, and all along the way, we were running up against liberal uh, Democrat governors around the country that were using the heavy hand uh, of government to essentially repress freedom. That can't happen again. Of course, once the Biden administration took effect, that all turned into mandates, you know, vaccine mandates, which some of which still survive to this day with regard to health care workers. One suppression of disinformation. Well, it, it, again, we, of course, that's a larger issue. We're dealing, <laughs> thank God for right. the Daily Signal, because, um, you know, with, to, to see essentially the what was the collusion in the 2020 campaign between uh, big tech suppressing stories about Hunter Biden and the, and the Biden family in the days running up, as well as, as well as, you know, holding back information from the American people. I remember I, I wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal after the initial wave uh, of uh, COVID had crested and the media was still engaged in massive kind of hysteria with the American people that was fueling a lot of these authoritarian actions by state governments. I wrote a piece in the Wall Street Journal in, in May and, uh, and, and encouraged people with the progress we'd made and told people we'd made great progress and we were ready for whatever would come ahead. I was pilloried for it because I cast an optimistic view uh, and a view that we could, could in fact open up the country again and we could begin to move our country forward. So um, the free flow of information, ensuring that the American people have the broadest range of information. But, but our approach in the future, because this will happen again, 
I mean, this, this, it's been a hundred years, but it will come again. Uh, I, I think we, I think we need to have a, I think we need to have a, a national response that is grounded in the principles of freedom. And as president, uh, I'll work to define that. When we talked briefly about suppress, suppression of conservative views of your own speech, or, you know, criticism of your own writing, but we've seen the government also weaponized against conservatives, particularly, you know, the FBI citing the Southern Poverty Law Center to go after uh, traditional Catholics. Um, how how would you? change the way some of these agencies are structured, perhaps? Uh, how would you address the way that government has been weaponized against conservatives? Well, if I become president of the United States, we're going to clean house on the entire top floor of the Justice Department. Let's be clear. The American people have lost confidence uh, in equal treatment under the law. And I understand that. I lived through the Mueller investigation. Um, I, I was I was questioned uh, throughout that and uh, required to retain private counsel of my own, incurred a half a million dollars in legal fees for what we now know was a was a complete hoax, all grounded in opposition research and fueled by FBI agents that that literally falsified official records and have still not been held to account. And then we lived through the impeachment of the president over a phone call and all the swirling accusations. <laughs> around that. But but it's even been more troubling since we left office to see what appears for many Americans to be a double standard. I mean, the kind of the relentless pursuit of the president uh, on a range of issues, um, uh, the former president. But, uh, but, but, but for five years, the lack of interest at the, uh, at the Justice Department in looking into very serious allegations concerning Hunter Biden and also the Biden family brought my hope is that's starting to shift with the with the sweetheart plea deal going away that I think that gave hope to people across the country that maybe we're getting back. Uh, but I, it's just going to take a, a it's just going to take cleaning house at the Justice Department at the highest levels. Look, I was on the Judiciary Committee for 10 years. I know how it all works. Uh, and I believe in my heart of hearts that we can. We can people the Justice Department at the highest levels and the FBI at the highest levels with men and women who are seen across the political spectrum uh, as as people of integrity devoted to the fair administration of justice. And that's what we'll do to restore confidence in our justice system. So I think we're running short on time, but I want to do a lightning round of real quick questions and real, hopefully real quick answers. Um, so I'm going to ask quick questions and see what you say. Yeah. So um, how about, should we audit the Fed? We should audit the Fed, but more important than that, we should end the dual mandate at the Fed. The Fed ought to be working on protecting our dollar. We ought to require presidents and Congress to achieve full employment. Awesome. Would you abolish any federal department or how many would you abolish? Uh, you know, take a number, get ready. Look at MikePence2024.com. Start with the Federal Department of Education. Shut it down. Send all those resources back to the states. Next up, EPA. Shut it down and, and allow the, the, the proper functions of the EPA to move to other branches of government. Who's your favorite Republican in Congress? 
you know, I, I, I have great friends in Congress. I served there for 12 years, and I admire many of them. But I, I will tell you, um, Jim Jordan of Ohio has always been my great fan. He's a man of faith. He's a man of courage. And uh, to see the way he's been fighting for, uh, uh, for equal treatment under the law, fighting for the truth, has been very inspiring to me. Who's your favorite Democrat in Congress? That's a tougher list to get to. But, I, you know, look, I, I, when I was in the Congress, I actually had uh, good, cordial relations uh, with some of the most liberal members of Congress because they knew I was serious about my values and my conservative agenda. And I knew they were serious about theirs. And I, I, think, I, I think the time has come for us to seek to restore a threshold of civility in public life so that, uh, so that we can begin to have a dialogue. Look, national debt, the size of our nation's economy, China's uh, on the move, wars raging in Eastern Europe. Uh, there's steady assault on the liberties and values of families in this country. We need to create an environment where we can at least have the possibility of finding common ground. And if I'm president of the United States, we will. So which Democrat can you find common ground with? Well, I, <laughs> is there one in particular that you like? Well, you know, Joe Manchin and I have always uh, had a good conversant relationship. I, I see him. Uh, I mean, he's he's not a conservative like me, but I have a sense that uh, he's someone that's interested in uh, moving our country forward. Well, Mike Pence, thank you so much for joining me and best of luck here at the gathering. Tyler O'Neill, great to be on The Daily Signal and uh, good to see you, too. The Daily Signal podcast is brought to you by more than half a million members of the Heritage Foundation. Executive producers are Rob Bluey and Kate Trinko. Producers are Virginia Allen and Samantha Asheris. Sound designed by Lauren Evans, Mark Guiney, and John Pop. To learn more, please visit DailySignal.com.